So I'm glad we're all here this morning. The end of the world did not happen yesterday. Was, was anybody aware of the predicted end of the world yesterday? A couple, yeah. You may have to be fairly deep into uh, um, Christian culture to have stumbled across the predictions of the end of the world by a Christian numerologist, which I'm not sure those two things go together, but okay. <clears throat> so there was, there was all of that, but you're here. Um, so to get started this morning, I, I need you guys to repeat after me to make sure you're awake, paying attention, and uh, that we get this rolling the right way. So repeat after me. If I could see as God sees. If I could see as God sees. Oh my goodness. That was the best repeat after me I've ever heard. Wow. Okay, let's finish it. I would be more inclined to do what God says. Yeah. So we talked last week about the fact that we get caught up a lot of times um, when it comes to our prayer life. We get caught up in trying to get God to do things um, and to fix things for us. And sometimes um, God doesn't want to do things or fix things for us. Sometimes God wants to say things to us. And if we don't create environments in our life where we make room um, for God to be able to say things to us, um, then we won't hear from him. Right? If we don't take time to intentionally set ourselves up to hear, we're not going to hear. And if we're not hearing, that means there's no communication because communication is a two-way street. If there's just one way, um, that's, that's just somebody talking at somebody. There's no communication going on there. And if there's no communication happening, then it's impossible for there to actually be relationship, Right? That's a communication, listening. It's a vital part of relationship. So we've got to learn to listen to God. And if we don't learn that simple, well, simple idea, it may not be so simple in practice, but if we don't learn that thing, then we are just going to continue to talk to God, talk to God and tell God what it is that we want him to do. Um, And sometimes he will do what we want him to do, but most of the time he will not. And it'll just be us doing a whole lot of talking. But the biggest tragedy is that when we do all of that, we miss out on that moment, that time, that kind of that that mechanism that God uses um, probably as much as any other time to make changes within us. That it's in those times when we're listening that God brings out things within us that need change, that when God uh, points out things that we don't necessarily see on our own or that we're not willing to hear from other people um, as they say it. And if you were here last week, um, I said that when I don't have those times and I'm not having God point those things out to me, that I get, I get nasty. (laughs) Like my natural me is not a good me. I get, I get agitated easily. Um, Anger seems to just kind of boil up from, from nowhere. I, um, um, in fact, in fact, uh, <laughs> when we were evacuating for the hurricane, we were on our way. We went up to D.C. to hang out with my wife's sister because there are a lot of free things to do in D.C. And so we're like, ah, why not go there? So on the way up, we stopped and we get gas. And as I'm getting gas, I walk around, take a look at the tires. One tire looks a little low. I'm like, huh, we're going to have to put some air into that tire. So after we get the gas and the kids all go in and get their snacks or whatever, I, I drive over, I spot the air pump. It's way over on the side. It was like a truck stop type place. So it was way far away from everything else. So I drive on over there and I get out and I immediately notice that this, this, this um, compressor, this air tire filler, uh, it's not your normal compressor situation. You know, normally you walk up, you know, I don't, I only go to Enmark because it's free. I had a free plug for them, but they earned it with free air. Um, 
Yeah. So like, I'm just like, okay, you grab the thing, you stick on, you're like, you're done. Right. And some places make you pay. And so I walk up and you know, I'm older than I look or care to admit. And I'm used to just like, when you pay, you drop quarters in. Right. Well, it didn't even have a quarter slot. Right. And then it's saying like a dollar 50 for there. I'm like, what in the world? I'm like, oh, okay. Well, this is a credit card situation. So I pull out my wallet and I get credit card out and I'm sticking it in. It's like not accepted. And I'm like, what is going on with this thing? Not accepted. It's like, ah, and then, and then I'm sitting there and Kate leans out the window. And she's like, it doesn't take American Express. Oh, okay. So, uh, oh yeah, there's a sticker right there. Visa MasterCard. I got it. Okay. So I get the right one and I stick it in and I grab the thing and it's like, and I, and, and it's going the wrong way. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And then I look and it's like, oh, it's an even more complicated machine. It's vacuum or air, and you got to choose which one you want. And so I'm like, okay, well, where's the button to choose? And I scourge to choose. And by the time I got to choose, I had taken too long. And so it canceled the transaction. I'm like, dang it. So I get the thing back out and I stick it in again. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, I know I need air. And then I'm like, all right, here I go. And I go it, mm, nothing. And I'm like, what? What in the world? What is going on now? And like, I'm just getting more and more like mm, this stupid machine. Like what is happening? And so then it was like so fancy that it it wasn't just a, you can put air in it, but you had to preset how many pounds of pressure you wanted in your tire so that it would automatically stop when it got to that amount of pressure in the tire. But if you didn't preset something, then it would give you no air. I'm like, Aah. and so by the time I figured that out, what happened? It had canceled the transaction. So I'm like, one more time, like, get it up. And I'm like, pushing the button. Like this time I'm like slamming things. Like yeah, the windows go up in the car. So maybe the kids aren't hearing the things. And I'm just, and so I'm doing it and I'm like, and then I like everything right. Okay. So is it? And then I go and nothing. And I turn around and it says card not accepted. I'm like, dang it. It was the wrong card. And so like, finally, I just got to the point where I did, I took the thing and I threw, I threw the hose as hard as I could. I'm like, I don't want air anyway. And I get it. And I, we get down the drive. You know, we're heading down the highway on a low tire and I don't care. I'm like, Argh. Now, you think that's funny. <laughs> Kate did not think it was funny. My wife did not think that was funny. Um, my kids were scared to death. Like, why is... Um, but it's amazing because even though that seems like a funny, extreme example, when I don't have those times where I am um, spending time with God, like, that's how I react to most things. You know, oh, the door didn't open the first time I pulled it. You know, and I just get... Ugh. And it's so important that we get to an area where God can deal with things and keep the natural us from taking over. And, and we looked last week at how Jesus did that. And that was, he prioritized it. He prioritized it. It didn't matter. He didn't let his job, he didn't let um, his identity who he was. He didn't let the ministry, he didn't let people's needs, the expectations on him, the amount of work that needed to be, none of that. None of that got in the way. He didn't let any of that interfere with his time alone with God. Even to the point that at one point the disciples came and saw him praying and they're like, what are you doing? There's so much to do. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And he's like, listen, this is more important. This is the priority. And we're to take that example and follow it. Now, <clears throat> to kind of move us forward in the whole concept this week, not only do we have the option because of the lengths God's gone to, to establish relationship with us, to be able to hear from him uh, through prayer and through quiet time, but we've got another advantage. And that is that God has given us a written word. 
He, he is the primary reason that he has done that, given us the, the, the printed version of, of what we have. The, the reason that he's done that is so that we can learn who he is through it. So we can look back upon the interactions of God and man and look back upon some of the decrees of God and we can understand and learn who God is. And then when we're doing that, it will answer a whole lot of questions that we have about God or to God. And, and I, you know, when we ask questions and when we have questions and things are going on in our life, like there's this tendency within us, or at least within me, I'll, I'll keep putting it on me. You can join it if you want, but there's this tendency within me, like I want I have a question and I want to hear from God, Right. Like, God, I want it to be clear. I want like, you know, I want an audible yes or no. Like, give me like just one word is all I need. I'm gonna, I don't want an impression. I don't want a feeling. I don't just want like a verse to stand out or some counseling, somebody come up and say, no, no, I want God. I want to hear from you. I want to hear a word. And, and there were times that, that I would, <laughs> when I was young, I would get on my knees. And I'm like, okay, God, this is what I'm praying about. And I am not leaving this spot until I hear from you. Next thing I know, I'm waking up and taking a shower and having to start the next morning because I fell asleep waiting on God and he didn't really say anything, right? Now, as I've gotten older and hopefully my faith has gotten a little bit mature, more mature uh, than that, I've, I've decided, I've come to the conclusion that given the opportunity, I think I don't want God to speak to me like that. I do not want to hear a definitive, audible speaking from God. And, and here's why. I think that if God were to break that silence in that way and were to just want to audibly talk to me, I think he would probably want to talk about things other than what I want to talk about. I think if he was going to communicate directly with me, he would start talking about, see, I've got some very specific topics that I want God to address and I want God to deal with and I want God to interact with on my behalf and do all that. And, you know, and he's going to start in. I'm going to be like, God, wait, wait, okay. I, you know, you're clearly going over something, but before, can we, I need to talk about my job. I need to talk about my uh, money situation. God, I need to talk about how in the world we're going to get my kids back in line. God, can we do this? Can we, God, stay on topic here with me. That's how, that's how we would run that. And the other thing about God speaking audibly is this. If you go back in the scriptures, when God spoke audibly and clearly to people in that manner, the accountability level was a whole lot higher than what I think I would be comfortable with. <laughs> right? Right? Because when, when God speaks to you, you go back and you look at the, through all the examples in scriptures, and then you imagine it in your own life. If God were to speak to you audibly, your response cannot be, eh, what else you got? Right? You, that is not, I mean, I mean, if you read a verse, you can kind of wrestle with that, Right? You can be like, well, I'm not sure that's exactly what it means. Well, let's go back to historical context. Well, we have to talk about the, you know, the different languages and what they meant and how those translate and all that other stuff. You know, and you can, you can, you can kind of wrestle and maneuver it around. All you. But if God were to speak to you audibly, like pff, all excuses gone, all things to hide behind gone, like it's out there. I think, I think maybe, and this is just my opinion, I think that maybe... It's in his mercy that he stays quiet. 
I think perhaps that because of the level of compassion that he has towards us and our abilities, I think may be why he doesn't speak to us in that manner. Now, you may come up after service and you may be like, oh, God has spoken to me. And I will smile and nod at you and say, oh, that is so awesome. Um, but that's never happened to me. Um, and, and I think that there's so much in the scriptures like there's so much in there that I think the need for God to communicate with us on that speaking level, I don't think it's as great as we think it is. It, it, it's, like, it's like if you're a parent and your kid is asking you something for the 27th time and you're like, I've already covered this. I've already told you 26 times what it is that you have to do. Every morning, um, when our, my boys are getting ready for school, they've got a chore list and a get ready chart on the wall. Here's everything you have to do. When you get out of bed till when you get on the bus or we drop you off at school, here's what you've got to do. And every morning I'm like, hmm, have you done everything? Oh, no, 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 no. Well, what should I do now? I'm like, it's written down. Just follow the list. And it was probably about a week ago that they kept coming to me. What am I supposed to do now? And I'm like, it's on the list. It's written down. Just read your list. And I'm like, huh, I wonder if this is how God feels sometimes. <laughs> when we come to me with these prayers, what am I supposed to do? What's the right thing? How should I handle this? And God's like, I've got it written down for you, right? You've got eight copies of it in your house. Like, come on, can we please do it? And just a side note, if you don't have eight copies, if you have zero copies, there are free copies back there. Take a copy. There's so much in there that God wants us to know. So what I want to talk this morning about is not God speaking to us audibly and in an audible voice, but I want to talk about how God speaks to us through the scriptures. Um, we are going to be in Psalms 119 which is uh, the longest chapter in the whole Bible. And what we are going to do is we're going to split it up um, between each of us and we're going to read the whole thing out loud this morning. <laughs> I don't know if that's nervous quiet or if, you just, or if you're just so comfortable with the fact that I wouldn't do that. that you didn't, uh, okay. Yeah, okay, Psalms 119. What we have is we have David writing and basically what he is writing is he is explaining about how God speaks to him through the scriptures. Now, interestingly enough, as David was writing this, at that time, he had at the most seven books of the Bible. Maybe not even that many. But I mean, at the most, that was, that was it. And three of them, three of the ones of probably three out of five that he had were ones that we can't even read through. Like we can't make it through the books, right? And I, I'm like, there's um, <clears throat> um, Genesis and Exodus, th those are interesting books. I mean, there's a pretty great narrative. There's some really messed up stories in there. There's stuff you read through. If you're not a scripture reader, you read through Genesis and you're gonna be like, holy cow, I didn't realize this stuff was in the Bible. I mean, there are some really good R-rated movies you can make out of Genesis. Like it's a thing right? And so that's kind of interesting, but you get to like Leviticus and Numbers and into Deuteronomy. And you're just like, uh, like these are the things you read when you can't sleep and you're trying to fall asleep. You know, these are like, oh, okay. Let me see how many chapters of Numbers I can get through. <laughs> like, oh uh, yeah. Spoiler. It's not many, 
right? Like it's gonna, it's gonna, but the, but the books like that, that, you know, he maybe had Joshua, maybe had judges. I'm, I, I'm not sure, but the books that he talks about when he's speaking here in this chapter of Psalm, like they're the boring ones, right? They're, they're, they're the one <laughs> numbers in Deuteronomy. And these are the, these are the ones that are kind of considered the law. When there's the reference to the law, this is where the law is laid out. And this is what he was referring to. And he says that he loves the law. And anytime I hear anybody, whether it's somebody today or David talking about biblical law, and they say, I love the law. I think you've got to be kidding me. Like who loves the law? But when he speaks about it, he speaks about it, not, not in terms of, of do's and don'ts, but he speaks about the law in this, this passionate relational kind of manner. And, and he says things like, I love the law. I meditate on it day and night. It's my comfort. It revives me. And he speaks in these terms that are like, wait a second, how in the world can you get this stuff out of the law? But there was something about it that was extremely relational from David's perspective. And he lived in a time where religion was extremely complicated I mean, there was a whole lot of do's and don'ts. And if you're going to do, you have to do it this way. You better not do it that way. You're in trouble. I mean, you had to wash at certain times. You had to go certain places on certain days. You had to kill animals in just an exact right way. There were things you could eat, couldn't eat. I mean, it was just so many laws. It was complicated and people couldn't keep up with it. And that was where, yet through all of the ritual and through all of the routine, David somehow still found relationship within those things with God. And it serves as a great reminder to us that God wants to use his printed word, the scriptures that we have to speak to us. So Psalms 119.97, David says this, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long to which I want to respond to like, David, did you have a life? Like surely there were other things that would be more interesting than meditating on Leviticus and numbers, right? Like all day long, really all day. Is this hyperbole, David? Like, what are you, what are you, what are you doing here? Where are you going? But, but this is what he says all day. And listen, not only did David have a life, David was king, that means his life was the best life of all the lives. <laughs> like everybody aspired, wanted to be, wished they could be king. But David learned to take God's truth and meditate on them to the point to where when he had an opening in his schedule, when he had time that he had set aside a free moment, he was voluntarily, which is an idea outside of some of our concept, voluntarily going like, no, I'm going back to the foundation and the base of the law, that, that's where his headspace was as he was writing this. He, he says this, he says, your commands make me wiser than my enemies. Who would like to be wiser? Some of you either don't want to raise your hand or you think way too highly of yourselves <laughs> as far as your level of wisdom. He makes me wiser than my enemies, for they are forever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers for I meditate on your statutes. Some of you remember being students in a school and you thought you had more insight <laughs> than your teachers. Yeah, well, David's saying that. I've got more insight 
than my teachers. He keeps going. I have more understanding than the elders. That is the people who were older than him. The people who did the functional ruling of the city. I have more understanding than them for I obey your precepts. Now, here's what, here's what David's saying through this. And this is so important. He's saying, God, because I have spent time in the scriptures, because I've spent time in your word, reading and meditating, you have given me these three things. You've given me wisdom, you have given me insight, and you have given me understanding. And with those three things, wisdom, insight, and understanding that I gained, not from some weird ritual prayer thing, not through doing all the do's and don'ts, but from meditating on the written word. Because of those three things, I have the foundation of which, on which to base all of my decisions in life. If I have those three things. And God wants to tell, he, he, he doesn't want to have the type of relationship where he's got to approve and choose everything for us. And we don't want the type of relationship where God has to approve and choose everything for us. He, want, he wants a life where we are so familiar with him and his ideas that it gives us the, the tools we need to make the decisions and to operate our life. He wants to give us those three things. And this is what David was saying that he had all because he spent time in the word. He, he keeps going. He says, I've kept my feet from every evil path so that I may obey your word. I have not departed from your laws. And then look at this for you yourself have taught me. And that's an interesting end to that sentence because basically he's coming right out and he's saying that he feels like through the scriptures that God is speaking to him so clearly that it is as if God himself is teaching him just because of that time that he spends in the word. He says, when, when that scroll is being read, he's saying, I don't hear an audible voice, but I hear God teaching me. He keeps going. He says, how sweet are your words to my taste? Sweeter than honey to my mouth. And then this next part is amazing. He says this, I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. I gain understanding from where? From God's precepts. And the result I hate the wrong path. This is huge. This is huge. This is him saying, listen, through your word, God, you have given me wisdom and you've given me insight into evil, into sin, into consequences, into to the wrong ways. Therefore, I'm going to avoid self-destructive ways and choices. I'm going to avoid self-destructive habits. I'm going to avoid self-destructive decisions because I can see sin for what it is and will not fall into it. Now listen, there are, there are three ways in life, and maybe, maybe you're smarter than me and can come up with more ways, but I thought of three ways in life that you can discover the shallowness of sin. All right, the first way that you can discover it is through experience, right? Hey, anybody experience? Yeah, yeah I've got, I can put both hands up. I've discovered that experience. You can go out, get yourself a big portion of sin, be in that for a while and eventually <laughs> come back or come to the conclusion like, wow, that was really not all that it was cracked up to be. 
Like that really was not what I was expecting. It's so experience. You, you can, the second way you can discover that is from watching other people, right? You can, you can watch, watch him make a decision and crash and burn. Watch her make a decision and crash and burn. And then you can see that and be like, well, I don't want to make those decisions. You can avoid them. So, so you can do it through experience. You can do it through watching other people. Or God says, if you will allow me, I will teach you. If you will allow me, I will make these things known to you. I will give you understanding separated from experience. That is that you don't have to go through it. Separated from observation. That you will be able to see sin and see evil for what it is. And you will not be nearly as temptable, if that's a word. Temptable. You won't, because you won't be deceived by the false promises and the false lore of sin. Now, isn't it true, if we're honest with ourselves, isn't it true that most of us would have avoided a whole lot of headache and troubles if we would have had this type of wisdom and understanding early on in life, right? Some of you, some of you may need this wisdom and understanding right now in life <laughs> as you're going through some headaches and some troubles. In fact, there was probably somebody around us while we were making some poor decisions, that was saying to us, I think this may be a bad decision. I don't know if you want to do, I don't know if that's the direction you really want to go here. And we chose to ignore them. Even though from the outside, they could see it clearly. Even though if we were on the outside looking at ourselves, making the decision, we probably would have made some different decisions. And if we could have seen the situation in the moment when we were just surrounded by the circumstances and the temptations and the, the things that were drawing us in one direction, if we could for a minute have stepped back and seen the situation as the person who was warning us saw it, we might've made a different decision. And in the same way, the heavenly father, our heavenly father is saying the same thing. He's saying, okay, 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 listen, if you spend time in the scriptures, if you spend time, you will begin to understand how I see things. You will begin to be able to have a filter, the same filter that I have, the way that I see things, the way that I view things. I will teach you to see as I see. Because when we see as he sees, we are more inclined to do what he says. But to get there, you have to invest time in saturating your mind with the scriptures. Then he writes this last verse we're going to look at. He says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. In other words, your, your, your word is like a compass. It lets me know the direction that I'm headed in. It lets me see what it is that's before me. It gives me direction. You communicate to me in such a way that through your word, God, I know how to live life. I know how to conduct my affairs. I know how to handle my relationships. I know how to manage my finances. I know how to recognize things that will be trouble for me because I can see ahead. And that's through your word, not through a voice, not through a seminar, not through counseling, not through any of that, not through really good sermons that the pastor just bam every single week like you guys are so used to, but <laughs> no. But through saturating your mind 
in the scriptures. All because, and the reason that we have it is because God wants you to know him and he wants you to see the way that he sees. Because when that's the case, his, his, his uh, decisions and his desires for you make way more sense. Make may way more sense. And you're way more likely to follow through on them when you have that frame of understanding. But it's a little tricky, right? Because we've all opened the scriptures and started reading and we've come across verses <laughs> that, that we hear when we're like, I'm so sure, <laughs> right? Anybody, anybody come across an I'm so sure verse? Does anybody read the Bible? <laughs> anybody? Give me a, whoo, okay. If you read it, you're going to come across some of those verses, like the ones that seem like ridiculous and impossible. So, so for example, let me, let me throw out a couple. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and lay down your life for her. Huh. I mean, yes, in theory, sure. I don't know that I can do that, right? I mean, I've got a life of, I've got a life too, right? Like, I mean, because if, if I just am watching out for her, like who, who's watching out? How come? This is, here's probably the ultimate, like, I'm so sure of her. Here we are. Wives. Anybody know what's coming? Yeah. I'm not even going to finish it. You all know. And you read that and you're like, I am so sure. Have you met my husband? Like, come on. That obviously doesn't apply in this situation, right? But wait, wait, wait. But even then, before that, Right? It says, says, submit to one another out of love, which husbands, husbands, that means the whole submission thing. Like that's not just one way. Oh no, we're back on me. Oh, <laughs> right. I don't think, wait, 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 wait. I've only heard preachers say it's the wives that have to submit. What are you, come on, Andy, are you serious? Yeah, it's right there. And our whole response is, I'm so sure. What about, what about when you were growing up, right? Children, obey your parents. Impossible, right? I mean, impossible. You can't, I mean, come on. It's like, hello, is anybody paying attention to my parents? Who could possibly think that I should have to obey them, right? And you know why we read all of these things and none of these things make sense and none of these things seem realistic, like we can actually do is because when we read these things, they just pop up and we haven't taken time to understand who God is. And so they make no sense to us because we don't see things the way that God sees things. We see things the way we want to see things. We see things through the lens of what is the best for us? How do I want it to work at? How do I understand how the world works? And our understanding is extremely limited. But when you and I meditate on God's word, it begins to make sense. And God wants us to know him. And so he's given us this amazing collection of writings so that we can know who he is and that we can begin to see as he sees. And, and you know, if you're a parent, you, you know all about this. And this starts young with, with kids. You know all about that. You, you've watched your kid. And you've said to yourself, hmm, if they knew what I know, they wouldn't do that. Right? Any parents have that? 
if they knew, because I know what's on the other end of that action, I know what the consequence of that action is, and if they knew it, they would not do it. Because you've had experience, and you've had understandings, and you would make different decisions than they're making. And this is the heart of God. This is what it all boils down to with him. He says, if you could see the way that I see, you would act differently. And listen, you can't get there just by throwing in worship CDs on your way to work. I mean, as great as some of the songs are, you can't get there that way. You have to do as David did, and you have to spend time meditating on God's word, saying, God, teach me to see the way that you want to see, because I want the insight, I want the wisdom, I want the understanding to be able to base my decisions on. And if you commit to this and do it, listen, if all of you this week, if you commit to, okay, God, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to give it a chance, and I'm going to say, God, teach me, show me how you see it, and you every day this week set aside a significant portion of time and say, I'm doing this, I guarantee you, you will come across something this week that changes the way you see something. You're going to come across and you'll be like, I never knew this was in here. Even if you go back to your super familiar verses that you've read a hundred times in your life, you will read through it and there will be something you'll be like, I've never seen this before. It's amazing how that works because God wants to speak to you. If you do this, you will come back with a story because God can't wait. Listen, he wants to communicate with you. It's not like he's up there and we're bothering him and we're trying to like, ah, okay, if we do the right code, then he'll like huh, begrudgingly communicate with us. That's not how it is. He wants to, he's anxious to. All he needs is some of your time and some of your attention. That's what he needs. You know, you know the other thing that he wants to do through this whole process it's the same thing that he will do in that quiet time when you're listening. He wants to reveal things to you about you that you don't know about you. Because God's word isn't just static. Hebrews, it says, it says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even in the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. It is powerful if you give it the opportunity to be. It means if you prioritize time in God's words, he can point out things. He can reveal things in you on a fundamental soul level that you can't have revealed to you in any other way. In any other way. He'll bring insight to you about yourself that you won't get any other way. And I have seen him to use his word and people committed to reading his word. I've seen him to, to help people to understand their insecurities, to figure out what the root of those things are that drive their self-destructive behavior. I've seen him, I've seen him reveal to people um, their anger inside of them that is driving depression. And it's just amazing when I see it. There are things that God wants to say to you and nobody else understands it the way that God understands it. You know what else you find when you spend time in the scriptures? It, it's there that we really discover 
how truly amazing God's grace is. That, that we are fully accepted by him, which is the type of relationship we all want, to be fully accepted. That we don't have to perform for approval and for his love. And you can hear a thousand sermons about it and, and you can sing songs that have that in the lyric. But the moment, the moment that you're reading that through itself and in, and in what I can only describe like it is a God kind of thing. And that's not a phrase I use very often, but the moment you're reading it for yourself and it just comes off the page to you alive with, with a depth that you just have not gotten any other way that you've heard the same idea, it will ignite your soul. It will, it will change something in you. And God can't wait to do that. So next week, what we're going to do is this. We are going to take some time and we're going to look at some very specific how-tos when it comes to this whole idea of listening to God. But there are no shortcuts. There are there aren't any sure. In the sh- in in the same way that a farmer can't rush the time from planting a seed to harvesting the crop. There's no way to rush or shortcut knowing these things. There isn't. You've got to commit yourself to saturating yourself with the word of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I thank you for the treasure that is your written word. Lord, I thank you for the way that it speaks into our lives, that it's not just some boring old manuscripts from so long ago that they don't even matter. That God, that we can read those words and it touches us on a soul level. Lord, I pray that we we commit ourselves to that, And that as we commit ourselves to saturating ourselves in your word, Father, that you speak to us in a way that we never thought possible. Lord, I thank you so much for the extreme lengths that you went to so that we could have the possibility of relationship with you. Give us the wisdom to take advantage of that. In your name, amen. Man, thank you so much for being out. There's Bible sitting in the back. If you want to take one, just grab one on the way out. See you next week. Beautiful.